The Accidental Entrepreneur is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, A. Weber, the world's leading small business email marketing and automation service provider. Since 1998, A. Weber has helped more than 1 million small businesses and entrepreneurs through its suite of web-based email marketing, automation tools, and education. A. Weber, the best option when it comes to marketing your business. The podcast is also brought to you by the Alternative Board. Since 1989, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has been one of the leading peer advisory and business coaching organizations for independent business owners and CEOs across the world. By facilitating peer advisory boards, private one-on-one coaching, and strategic planning services, TAB helps business owners improve their businesses in ways that change their lives. And be sure to check out our affiliate sponsor, One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the avid podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. Okay, okay, okay. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. If you're listening on uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, whatever you're listening on, please, wherever you can, leave us a five-star review. If you... um, are watching us on YouTube, then please subscribe to the channel and hit the like button and whatever other <laughs> buttons you can press. I don't know. So, today, today's all about sales, 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 sales. I've been a salesman all my life. I know it's a bad word and everybody's afraid of selling, but you're doing it whether you like it or not. We're going to talk to our good friend, Joe Rocky about it. Let's get on with today's show. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Yeah, and you're, you're identifying the key problem here. I mean, essentially, there, there's 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 multiple ways we can sell. I mean, there's a hundred thousand ways we can sell. Really, people learn this from out of birth. I I, right. I need to make some noise to get something I want. At the end of the day, it all a sale is is a trading right. of a service or product for some other form of resources. It doesn't have to be for cash. So when we look at this, right. we've all done this always. I mean, really, asking someone on the date is a form of a sale. You know, I want to spend time with you and let's see if I'm going to give you time. You're going to give me time. We're going to see if this works. So what you just hit on was the fact that for the most of this country, their sales, especially in the bigger houses, the bigger companies, their sales system has been, let's just put pressure on people. Let's make you feel guilty if you don't buy from us and make it a very negative experience. And that's what used car salespeople are. That's why so many people are drawn to Amazon. I don't got to deal with this. Might not be positive, but it's neutral. 
So I am Joe Rocky of Elite Business Conversations. What we do is we help people achieve all of their sales goals, realizing that sales people are those that are going to change the world and heal the world. We help your individual sales needs, your business's sales needs through both business intensive repairs and as well as the keynote addresses that we give around the world. So we're glad to be a part of this show. And again, Joe Rocky of EliteBusinessConversations.com. All right, Joe Rock. Mm-hmm. Actually, Joe Rocky Jr. Right? That's is, right. Uh, is the correct way to say it? Okay, good. So there's obviously there is there's a Joe Rocky. Hopefully, Sr. by the time you listen to this, he's county yeah. executor. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I thank you for coming on the show. I know we mm-hmm. connected through Podmatch, um, and we want to talk about sales. And I'm a you know a big proponent. My dad was a salesman all of his life. Um, and in mostly in the insurance business and, uh, you know, it's, it's something that business owners really have to embrace, be comfortable with and get good at. And I think we're going to have a good conversation, but maybe we can go back a little bit and talk about your background, your training. I know you were in real estate. Why'd you do that? How'd you yeah. I mean, long story short, I'm going to end up being what you exactly described the show as full. Don't make it too short. <laughs> Fair enough. Hours, so. so as I said here, uh, <laughs> we met on Podmatch, and the reason I wanted to be on your show was everything you just said in your little blurb there about accidentally finding success. That was my life. So when I was to, to get yep. the whole story of how I got there, because I think this will resonate with the audience because I went through this. When I was 18, uh, my first real job was in sales. I worked at Cutco Cutlery selling knives. So, hey, I'm a college kid. Let me show some really sharp knives and make some things happen. Yeah, we exactly. Cut-go. Yeah, we had a Cutco set. We bought it from my son's friend who was mm-hmm. selling it. Nice school. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, that was me. Um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of things that they did wrong. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad I learned it. But I actually was one of the very few that made successful. Um, I made it successful to the point where I was able okay. to fund my trip when I did a semester abroad in Rome. So that was awesome. Um, but in wow, doing it nice. more than the typical three weeks, if that, of the run-of-the-mill guy who goes through through any sales training, it's a commission-only gig, right? So in that, you get the joys of when I'm successful, I get paid. And at that point, quite a lot. And when I'm not successful, uh, I don't get anything. So it's the commission right. lifestyle. Um, The commission lifestyle is in that regard, a great economic motivator. It's, it's a high and a low, all that you can get through it. And I got bit by the bug day one. And with the exception of the uh, almost mandatory internships, my college made me take um, every job I had in my life has been sales only Um, and a hundred percent commission at that. Yes. Commission based on your efforts. Yeah. Look for a lot of people, Joe, that is, you know, the bug bites them and get the flu and they're throwing up. They can't deal with the stress and, and the, the, you know, the aggravation of having to deal with people and ask them and get rejected mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff. Oh, it, it, that, that's real. And, and that's the negative side of it. Yeah. Uh, you also have the other side of the people who can't handle getting a huge pile of money and then not knowing when the next one's coming. Uh, <laughs> I was more in that category. Right. Yes. You get the stress of, yeah. I need, yeah, yeah I, well exactly. Yeah. Um, and, right. uh, yeah, so, so that was me. Um, and then when I came out, I was graduating during the last recession of 08, 09, um, or I guess it was 07, 08. But either way, I was in the middle right. of it, and all of my co right. or all my fellow classmates were getting accepted in November. But by the time March came around, they were getting their offers rescinded because the accounting houses they were applying to 
we're basically having to lay off tons of people. You're not laying off someone with 30 year experience and bringing right. on some kid you don't know. That's just bad business. Right. Exactly. So I'm sitting yeah. there laughing like, oh, well, yeah. what am I going to do? <laughs> and I ended up going into right. a, a financial advisor job, which really is just a fun word for saying you're going to be selling life insurance and annuities. That's exactly what it's it is. And I was job. very good yeah. at it. I mean, my first year I was rookie of the year. Second year I was underclassman of the year and third year I left. And the primary reason I left was I wanted to be able to control my product. The company in which I was working for, as we were getting out of the recession, was offering worse and worse products. There's just no real other way to say that. And I didn't want to be a part of the fact that had I met you six months ago, I could have given you something better than today. And I didn't like the direction that the company was going. I didn't want to be a part of it. And I realized I wanted to control all of it. So... At that same time, I realized essentially I was lied to in the compensation system. Uh, What I always wanted was I wanted to have the ability to get paid for stuff when I'm older for work that I did when I was young. I always wanted it. You want to build exactly, and that's what I was sold. You're going to build a book of business. You'll get paid on it forever, and it'll be great. And it took me, and I can't believe it took me this long to actually read to see what the residuals were. Uh, It was 0.1%. (laughs) <laughs> so to say another way, I would have to work a right. thousand years to get one year's worth of payment. Realizing I was only in it at this point for three years, I didn't take it as that much of a loss. Yeah, yeah, that was so um, right. Uh, uh, yeah, well, life insurance. A lot of those products are very front loaded. You're mm-hmm. getting most of your commission in the first year. You're not really building on like some. Yeah, other and, and some of the other yeah. problems that it has is that the way at least this company chose to do their compensation was. You could get paid in a different format, have it more flow downfield and really fill up your, your down-the-field roads, but it was a different fee structure to your client. Yeah. So rather than it being, I'm selling the same product and then choosing how I'm going to get compensated, that wasn't the case. I had to choose how my client was going to pay and essentially be told to present them that this is the only option. So there was a lot about that that I didn't yeah. like, a lot about that about the old sales system. Right. Uh, this is how we've been doing it forever. So this is how we're going to make everyone else do it. Um, sure. Create a pressure factory right. and just put people through it that the only way that they're going to get out of it is by buying something from us. And therefore, this relationship will end kind of happy, right? Um, that's the 100% worst way to yeah. sell. It's the way the vast majority of this country is trapped in selling. And it's something that I am trying to change right. with our business, with my business now, look, uh, which is elite business conversations that realizing that the world will be fixed through salespeople. Any of these outside problems of your business that are being presented at us, pretty much Obama went through the list all the time, racism, xenophobia, any of those other words that are destroying our country and it's going to hurt everything. Right. Salespeople are the ones who are going to fix that because at the end of the day, there is no ageism, racism or whatever. Whenever I'm giving you a great and quality product, and you're paying me for it. I want to get that to as many people as possible, and you want to benefit from it. There is no barrier in between that. And when you have people who get incentivized to make it happen, this is how I say and how I know salespeople will heal the world because you're giving something quality and you're giving it to as many people as possible. So, Yeah, well, I I think, Joe, one of the problems is, is how it's portrayed in the media and we grow up, you know, with the traveling salesman, with the, the guy selling, you know, aluminum siding, uh, used cars, 
Yeah, I mean, it's mm-hmm. he's a used car salesman. That's even a term that people use as a derogatory thing to describe. And I think a lot of people, even though they realize that they do ultimately sell, they they have this this notion in their head which holds them back as opposed to saying, listen, you can you can help people, you can sell and do it in a way that you're comfortable and honest and transparent and all those kinds of stuff. And, and you know, there's a lot of companies that are just trying to push their way. They don't care. They're just trying to push their product. They want you to get to sell. And it's really, it's something that people have to embrace and realize. Yeah. And you're, you're identifying the key problem here. I mean, essentially there, there's, there's, there's multiple ways to sell. I mean, there's a hundred thousand ways we can sell. Really people learn this from out of birth. I, I, I need to make some noise to get something I want. At the end of the day, it, all a sale is, is a trading of, a service or product for some other form of resources. It doesn't have to be for cash. So when we look at this, right. we've all done this always. I mean, really asking someone on the date is a form of a sale. You know, I want to spend time with you and let's yeah. see if I'm going to give you time. You're going to give me time. We're going to see if this works. So what you just hit right. on was the fact that for the most of this country, their sales, especially in the bigger houses, the bigger companies, their sales system has been, Let's just put pressure on people. Let's make you feel guilty if you don't buy from us and make it a very negative experience. And that's what used car salespeople are. That's why so many people are drawn to Amazon. I don't got to deal with this. Might not be positive, but it's neutral. Yeah. And sales are not inherently that way of negative, bad events. This is... Exactly. No, and and this is this is why my hope is to grow the sales industry and to help it is because, first off, I believe that every industry is their own thing, but sales is the only industry that is in everything else. So if you're sitting here selling cool. you know, donuts, you are both a baker in the baking industry, but you're also in the sales industry because the bakery that has the best right. donuts is not the one that lasts forever. It's the one that has the most sales. It's the bottom line fact of life. Of course. The best marketing, best prospecting, mm-hmm. best networking, and best exactly. Business. And that's what you know. We, we look at the revenue cycle. There's really three components of it, and, and all of these are involved. You get your first component here of I need to have people need to know who my bakery is and want to find me. Second, when they're at my bakery, they need to feel comfortable enough to exchange resources for the promise of a future product. And step three, you need to deliver on some awesome donuts. So most of yeah. us have fallen into the business. Exactly as you're talking about here, have number three. I want to make a better product. I know how to make right. a better product. Right. I don't know how to do the other two. And if we look at those three elements, right. people need to find us and want to be with us. People need to be comfortable with us and exchange resources and deliver back end product. There is no one personality type that is designed for all three of those. Most people are able to do right. one of them. Maybe kind of a second one, but definitely not the third and the other half of the second one. So it's hard. And this is the other reason sales gets really knocked upon is that I can't do all of it. There must be something wrong with me. Right. That's the perception, right? I need to be able to do it all. And that's why can't I do it? Period. Yeah. Oh, right. Very false. Look, it's part of the business plan, right? Your person, your your the whole personnel side of the business. There are skills you may not have, so you got to get somebody who has them to work with you or to work mm-hmm. for you or whatever. A good salesperson, a person who is comfortable going out there and is transparent and makes people comfortable to come mm-hmm. to your store and buy. It, it, exactly. You know? I mean, really, at the end of the day, 
every employee is doing something that either the business owner can't do or doesn't want to do. That's out. That's the right broadest definition of an employee, but that's, that's the truth. So if there's something you can't do as a business owner, or you're not good at it, hire someone or outsource it to a company that already does that and, and do that. Like I know for right. me, I personally do not like the first step of having people find my bakery and specialize it. And every single real estate company that I built, I created partnerships where that's what people wanted to do. They kept my calendars full and therefore I was always out able to do acquiring new properties and then turning them into whatever form of revenue we were doing. And that partnership was fantastic. They all were. Um, and the other joy of this great country we live in and this era we live in, they don't need to be close to you anymore. Of my partners, only two of them lived right. in the same state as me. Um, and only one of them in the same county at that. Yeah. So you look at it and some of them right. I've never met person, but we make money and checks go around this little blue marble and people are happy. So that's what matters. You know? Yeah. Well, the world's become global now. I mean, it was global before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Now it's yeah. ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I started the, so do my first business I created in 2011, not only did I create a business from okay. scratch that survived a decade, which is basically an impossible statement. I survived the pandemic. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So at the end of the day, when, when I sit here and tell people that sales is real and this is how you can do it, I mean it. I didn't write a book about this just for, to make my own ego better. I want to help people so that they can really gather that salespeople will heal this world and you'll help yourself. Because the thing with sales, um, you don't, it doesn't matter where you start at. It doesn't matter any of those things, your age, your gender, your race, your intelligence level. You need to just be able to connect right. to someone, which we all have as people. It's yeah. part of our species. We know how to connect to people. And then do we consciously do what's in the best interest for everyone? If you have that capability and that desire, you can become a fantastic salesperson. Just you have to get this stigma out of the way that that you're you're abusing people and using the wrong way, which most successful companies are not. They're coming with saying, hey, we want to help you and this is how we can do it. Let's see if we're a good fit. If we're not a good fit, it's okay. We're not going to. Yeah, exactly. So, so, okay. So you, you start out or you started out getting mm-hmm. experience with Cutco and then life, the, mostly life and health mm-hmm. and those types of products. And then, and then you, you didn't So that was three years. And what did you do next in terms of building your, you know, your skills and, and your income? Yeah, exactly. Right? Cause as I said, I want a residual income. And at that time, really there were only four options for residual income, right? You could have been a tax collector. Uh, we can't really do that now because I wasn't going to go out and buy a municipality. Um, you can be a utility owner because right. you had to pay those on a monthly basis, or you can be a mortgage company or a, or a you know a landlord. That was the only really viable entry point I saw. Right. I mean, this isn't like today where you can create subscription based services and everyone was used to it. When I was starting this business, Netflix had not taken off yet. Um, Hulu or Hulu didn't exist. Right. TiVo was still the thing. Yeah. Like to, to go back in time that far. Yeah. Right. yeah. Most people don't even know what it is, but that was like at its yeah. peak. Um, and yeah. the bottom line was I wanted residual income. So the pathway to do that was becoming a landlord. 
However, I did not have enough resource. I didn't have enough money to start buying properties because at that time in particularly, the banks needed someone to blame for the recession that they caused rather than blaming the people who they should never have given loans to in the first place, i.e. admitting it was the bank's fault. They had to blame someone else. So they blamed landlords, which tends to be the universal person. So I wasn't able to do the traditional scaling model of buy a property refinance it, go buy another property. I needed to have at least six doors before they would even listen to me. And then even at that, they weren't going to refinance me for nearly what it should have been. So I needed to create more capital faster. And that's where I got into what all the TV shows call flipping. I'd buy properties that were depressed. I'd put equity into them. Then I'd sell them for the equity. And you talk about a stress factory. Um, That first one, I went from working with, professionals selling life insurance to doctors, attorneys, and lawyers to working with crews that are the complete other end of the moral and economic spectrum. And, um, you know, we we, we did very bad on the first one. And had I not already owned the second house before the first one finished, I probably never would have done this. And that's another fun fact for anyone who's thinking about, oh, I'll just flip a house like it is on TV. It's like 97% of the people who do their first flip do never do a second one. So, right. Cause they, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Doesn't work. And, and I mean, I've been doing this now yeah. for what is this 13 years, something like that. Um, since 2011 yeah. and every single year, the home show comes through Pittsburgh in, in the spring and right after the home show normally comes at least one or two of these national guys who just convince you to go do this. These guys go out and buy houses overpriced right. and then come the fall I end up buying their halfway done projects and finish them myself. Um, it, the person who went through it had a horrible experience right. throughout it. And it's because there's a lot more to building a product than just thinking you're going to let a crew go on autopilot. And you're never going to check in. And unfortunately that's what a lot of people do. Right. Um, there's a lot of people who, yeah. And uh, you know, the industry, the real estate industry itself is fraught with, you know, people trying to sell their goods and they're like, listen, join our flipping program and we can do this and we can do that. And they have it all laid out for you. It seems great. But finding the actual property, choosing the right property, executing is very mm-hmm. difficult. And you're right. you got to be committed to do it because you probably will fail or at least not succeed like you want to on the first property. You learn your lessons. You move on to the next one. But yeah, a lot of people yeah. Don't. So, they, so they just give perspective on, on that point here. Before COVID, yeah. when I was really cranking, because it has slowed down since COVID to be one, that's part of, of course, I've also created six new entities since then. Um, but before COVID, when, when it was right, well, solely did. my baby, all I was doing was real estate and going all in. I was in 40 new houses a week, just looking at them to see if I wanted to buy them. Of those three months right. span, I bought four houses every three months. Yeah, and most people lot. are never doing that. Most people are going in at most three, buying right. one, and wondering why the math didn't work later. It, 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 right. it, there, there's a lot of effort yeah. and work that goes into this that you're probably a great attorney or a great surgeon, but that doesn't mean that you should be a flipper. Um, you can fund someone who knows what they're doing and create a partnership, right. but you're not doing this by yourself. And that's where that's really where it yeah. happens to people. And um, you know, it's, it's, it's part of life. It's live, learn, but – that notion also scares people away from going into partnerships and businesses altogether because, you know, people spout off their horror story over and over again. 
And it doesn't just poison the real estate well, it poisons every other well. And there's lots of ways to make money for your retirement that don't strictly involve a 401k. And partnerships are one of the greatest ways to do that. Right. No, definitely. I think, and this is just my opinion, but I think a lot of people kind of get involved in something and they don't completely commit to it. And partially psychologically, they're like, well, if I fail, I'll know it's because I didn't really do this the right way. So it's really not my fault. I didn't do, you know, as opposed to going all out, doing the research, looking at 50, 100 properties, figuring it out the best you can, knowing that you might get your, you know, your head handed to you the first time you're going to move on because I see so many people, you know, you owned a condo and you and your wife go get married, you buy a house. So you kept the condo, you rented it out. It was a nightmare experience. That was your, your mm-hmm. whole experience in real estate. And you're like, that was a nightmare. I'm never doing that again. And, and you know, my response is that was your, that was your <laughs> foray into investment real estate. Like that's not, you know, what you got to treat it like a business, like anything else. You write a strategic plan. What are you going to do? How are you going to deal with these issues? Do you need other people? Like you said, do you need a partner to help you with this, where you get your financing? What, what happens if you can't, you know, it takes you six, eight months to find a property. Do you still have income from another store or whatever it happens to be? But people just mm-hmm. like any bit, like all businesses, right? It's not just real estate. They just go in, you know, let's, let's make donuts. People come buy them. We could sign a lease and put up a sign. They're going to come buy donuts. Come on. People eat donuts. Next thing you know, they're not coming to your donut shop. I don't understand where they're getting their donuts somewhere else. Who's the better salesman? You know, the, the thing is, is you need both of those personality types though, to really get the thing off the ground. And this is what you're saying is true to all, all industries. Um, You know, one of the things that, that I find whenever I'm helping with people for their, why why is my business stalled is we do run into that problem quite a bit with the younger ones, but the other ones we get into is people are sitting down doing their plan. What they envision it is different in each partner's head than where it ends up three years later. And that's normal. You know, Say that you were sitting next to your wife when she gave birth and you knew exactly what your kid, what you wrote down on paper, exactly what you think your kid will be like when they're five. Do you think they're going to be exactly that way? They might be close-ish. Not even close. Yeah. Well, but it's not going to be. It depends. Your wife yeah, may have. It's not going to be the same. Right. You know, he's not going to be exactly 48 no. and a half inches and weigh 72 pounds and all that. But that's how we look at our businesses. It's not having this amount of employees. It's not paying me this amount of revenue per month. Therefore, it's not what I want. Yeah. And what I invite everyone to do at the start of every entity is try to be clear on this, but also recognize this is a target, not an absolute. And if things are different, right? how will you feel and how will I feel as the partners involved? And then we talk about shades of yeah, difference. Well, I- you know, if it's, Kind of closest to this, yes. I'll, I'll be on the bus. But if it's wildly different, I'm probably going to be one out, to be totally honest with you. And it's good to have these conversations up front. Fine. Most people never do. And this yeah. is how we get into really bad breakups of businesses and why most businesses don't survive the third year. I mean, hell, most of them don't even get to the second yeah, year. They don't but stick around. Let alone the, through the no, third. Not, not even. Not even. Yeah, I mean, I think people have to know you either there's two kinds of people that want to keep the train mm-hmm. on the track no matter what, even though the bridge is out up ahead. But it's the other ones that adjust. I mean, some sometimes, like you said, if you're so far off the track, mm-hmm. just not for you. You got to move on in a different direction, and people do that. Sometimes those are hard mm-hmm. to, decisions to make. 
But if you re- if you accept the fact and you're conscious about it that things will be different than I expect them to be, that's part of life. I have to adjust to it, and I'm going to be resilient about it. Then you know, then you gotta, you gotta yeah, fighting chance, yeah. So so, so it comes down to why is it off the yeah. track? Is it off the track? Because there's there's right. tons of reasons why. Is it we're doing something wrong? What are we doing wrong? Because almost always it's you're doing something wrong. If it's not you're doing something wrong, you have no control of it. Just blow up the train. Um, but we have to recognize we're doing right. something wrong. Just what is it? And then the, it it, it yeah. still astounds me because I like I said I've created businesses throughout. How often people don't fully know what they're doing in their own office and have no idea what's going on in the office next to them. Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to market and grow your business? Or perhaps you're just getting started and want to hit the ground running. AWeber is the best choice for online email marketing and automation of your business. From maintaining a subscriber list to drip campaigns and landing pages, AWeber gives you tools and integrations that make marketing easy and fun. As our partner and sponsor, we use all their tools to promote the podcast and market our law firm. AWeber, the best alternative for online marketing. For over 30 years, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has built a thriving community of forward-thinking CEOs and business owners who want to radically improve their companies. Through unique combinations of one-on-one business coaching, participation in monthly TAB board meetings with other non-competing owners, a suite of strategic tools, and customized strategic planning workshops, TAB membership can deliver greater strength to your business and a better work-life balance for you and your family. All packaged in a streamlined and affordable service that the people at TAB invite you to try risk-free. Maybe you're looking to get into podcasting or you just want to market your business. Maybe you want to do it for enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts, as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created especially for our listeners. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. Okay, we are back. Joe, are you back online? Sorry about that. No problem. I don't yeah, do sorry about editing, that. though. So For all of my um, vacant properties, I put an alarm system in them. So when when we have real estate agents... Uh, like a drop like a drop exactly, and it's connected to to you know yeah. offsite monitoring and all that. So when a real estate agent goes in and doesn't type in the code, after a minute, the entire building goes haywire, mm-hmm. and so does my phone. So, um, so sorry about that. Didn't mean to derail the program. <laughs> That's okay. Well, somebody's breaking into your properties. You certainly want to know about it. That's a good lesson for anybody who wants to get. Well, all businesses really. I mean, it, it, it's more than just real estate. So, so you don't want people. This goes back to my point that I was just just creating. There is you don't want to have people. What the hell? Sorry about that. I, it's still blowing up. No. <laughs> I remember when my son was in college and I think he, uh, I'm going to put you there. And I think he was uh, staying in his apartment from, 
I guess his sophomore to junior year. So he had all of his stuff in the apartment. We we were in New Jersey. He's in Indianapolis. And um, you know, we were like, well, what if somebody walks into the apartment and steals things? So we got a drop cam. We set it up and it would go off when if anybody was in there. But nobody nobody went in there. But then you'd call building management and say, hey, somebody broke into our apartment and we're we're aware of it. So um, we will wait for Joe to come back and we're going to continue our conversation about um, sales. Okay, good. Well, let's get back to where we left off because we're talking about sales. And I think, I think that it's, it's, it's really important that people do become like conscious of, you know, what's going on and, and things aren't going to go the way they go. And, and that's okay. You don't expect them to, I think a lot of things in life, business wise and otherwise, a lot of it is, you know, it's the first time and you're not w- aware of it. But then, you know, as you have bought properties and you've dealt with tenants and you've done different things, something work doesn't work out. You're like, oh, well, we've dealt mm-hmm. with that before. We did this, you know, and it worked out. And a lot of it is consciousness as you move, not self-consciousness, but just yeah, being aware the, the, of the thought process you know, of your business. You know, as you said in your, your introduction, what the show is about, you know, we accidentally fell into this business. You know, I didn't know anything when I was starting in real estate, right? But I quickly learned what were the problems, and I think that this is also something that needs to be addressed with all people in sales as well as in business owners. You need to recognize the criticisms you're getting about whether or not they are valid and real, or whether or not they're just someone who wants to rip you down. And that skill set, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's incredibly down. important because if you just blatantly ignore all criticism, you're going to miss actual problems. Yeah, you can't. But if you respond to all of it, nice. your soul will die. So, it's, you know, we, we need to learn how to have that that filter upon us. And, you know, obviously, yeah, there's constructive things mm-hmm. and there's destructive things. And look, sometimes people even mean well, but they're so afraid of you failing or whatever it is that they they're destructive with their with their criticism. And you got to You do. That's definitely mm-hmm. a learned skill, like the ability to differentiate between what is constructive and what is destructive. And you just yeah, and you also it, need you know? to have the judgment of does this source or this person actually care and, and or know what they're talking about? Because you might have someone who cares like deeply right. about you, like your mom, but she has no idea what she's talking about with your business. So, yeah. Right. So at the end that. of the day, should we really yeah. value her opinion in this point or not? And for some people, they Maybe. Yeah. So, you know, I host an NFL show on YouTube um, and we do it to every single fan base. So when I go out and say anything that is not saying Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback on the face of the earth, the entire Midwest of this country yells at me and tells me I have no idea what I'm doing. I should never be behind a microphone again. But at the end of the day. Right. Is that true? Guys, you lost to Indianapolis. (laughs) So. Right. Yeah. And yeah. the MVP of the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, everything, you know. So yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, well, yes. So my, my point is, is just because you're getting some people that are criticizing you does not mean that you should shut down the whole thing. Um, it also doesn't mean you're going right. to be perfect right. either because, you know, I called Philadelphia winning that Super Bowl since October. They got there. I just missed the last step. Yeah. Does that mean my prediction yeah. was worthless? Yep. Uh, you can look at my betting account. It no. certainly wasn't. Um uh, <laughs> So, uh, right. and, and that's how we have to exactly. treat businesses is that it, it's not an all or nothing composition. You know, we are making value and creation right. for people that should be for all of our clients, but also for us and our business as well. And I think that the, this is something that 
so many business owners fail to see is that when you're hiring someone, that's a sale too. And I don't want to dive into the whole business culture element that I've, I've given talks on. But at the end of the day, just remember, your employees work for you for more than just money. There are more equations that go into this. And the more transparent and better you can make your relationships, the better. Um, and that's true in-house and in your sales world and really in all of your life. And that's really how you enhance everything. Um, and just to, to do one last point about this, and I'll get back to sales, I promise. This is still part of sales, is that most people, <laughs> especially men, feel that they have this ability yeah. to compartmentalize their mind and their lives. You know, we've all had that moment when I had to study for this test, I had to get through it, everything else in my life was on pause, because if I don't pass this test, my life will fail. Maybe, maybe not, but we get in that zone. Right. And then we just think we can do that in other things. Right. Like, I can be this way as a father, I can be a horrible husband, and I can be the worst driver on the road, just cutting everyone off. But at the end of the day, everyone will still think I'm a nice guy. Well, the reality is, is everything's right. going to blend to one level point. And are you doing... Raising everything up as higher or are you letting parts sink down? Because we are creating essentially mountains when we're trying to raise things up. But the steadiness of our water is going to go to the low point. And that's where we'll sit. So in our life, are we creating mountains with lakes in the valleys? Or are we raising the whole thing up and making ourselves balanced? And that's how you do a self-check on your relationships. And really, that will enhance everything around your life as you bring everything up in terms of your relationships. I'm not trying to say every one of your skills needs to be top notch. I'm saying every single one of your meaningful relationships needs to be top notch. And there's a distinct difference there. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. And I think that people talk about like work life balance, mm-hmm. but it's one life. There is no work life balance at all. Now, even more so with the pandemic and everything working from home and stuff like that, it all feeds into you know, what goes on? I'm at work. My kids text me. My wife's got something going on. I get an email. I got to do this for a client. It's not a balance. It's all mm-hmm. kind of integrated and you got to, you know, become better at it, which is the journey of life. I guess you're better at it when you're, when you die. Maybe <laughs> it, it depends if people, I mean, <laughs> I mean, let's face it. We, we, we've been to funerals where there's people who are like, kind of glad Jim's gone. And we've been at funerals where it's like, holy shit, how am I going to live without Jim? <laughs> And, you know, so, right. Right. Of course. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully. But I mean, but, yeah. but that's a reality. I mean, you can live your life in a spot where people are happier that you're not here. Um, and you know, if you want to do that, you yeah. can, it's just a horrible way to be. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. And the world doesn't does need not. more of that. That's for sure. All right. Mm-hmm. So let's, yeah. let's get back into sales because I, I think it's important to share some, I don't know how you do it, right? But some tidbits, some suggestions, some tracks to run on, some five tips to this or that or whatever, so people can get better at the selling that they do. Because you and I both know whether they like it or not, whether they they deny it or not, they are selling every day of their mm-hmm. life. It's just something else, right? So I'd like to hear what you got to what. Yeah, so first let me specialize what, what I'm actually going to be talking about here. In the three compartments of the revenue stream, we have people finding our bakery – people wanting to be in our bakery, exchanging resources, and then the badass product on the back end. I'm talking about the middle part here. People exchanging resources for our for the promise of our future product or service. So the first thing okay. that I advise every single person to do is before you enter the space of that meeting, whether it be a virtual one, in-person, or whatever, 
before you get into that room, have a little conversation with yourself because we're all going to feel some form of anxiety dash nervousness because we're going to be going asking someone for something. And, you know, the more meaningful it is to you, sometimes the larger that anxiety is. And there's multiple different ways people can express this. Sometimes they literally will get stuttery in the shakes. Like they're, they're having a fear. Sometimes they'll have a blow off mentality where, Oh, this isn't that important. Well, dude, if you hit this thing, you're going to make more money you ever have in your life. It's kind of important. Um, So like those are the two extremes that people can have entering this, but they bring those anxiety emotions into the meeting and it really will hold you back because especially now in life, everyone's radar is so pitched to detect anything that is fake or incongruous with what we should be doing. You pretty much will be shooting yourself in the foot before you even start. Yeah, we resonate. We we reverberate everything Mm -hmm. that we're thinking and feeling. And if we don't, you know, believe it, or we're worried about it, we're nervous, we're just going to throw it on the person that we're in front of. Exactly. And and what you need to do is figure out a way to keep those emotions from coming in the door. And to to not dive into all the science of this, you can get that in in the book. But basically, what you need to do is say, hey, whatever you were called when you were a child, like think of one of your adults that were around you when you were a child that you liked, and what they called you. Um, whatever name that was. And you right. say, hey. Okay. Not no, it's something happy. It's like yeah, But you say like, hey, little Joey, I get that you're scared. That's okay. That's cool. You should feel that way. This is a big deal. But myself, the adult, needs to go in there. So you can stay here. I'll come talk to you afterwards. It's going to be awesome. Everything's going to be cool. But you just need to wait here and be quiet for an hour or however long your meeting is. It seems stupid. Okay. It seems trivial. It seems all of that. Like put on your big boy exactly. Your little but boy going here. through that actual mental process right. and saying something like that in your head drastically improves the results that you have in that meeting. Right. Of course, because you're conscious of who you are and what you are, and now you're a different person in your mm-hmm. mind. People feel that. We're, we're electric beings. We just, you know, exactly. It and and it's, it also opens you up for one of the most important parts of that meeting that you're about to have is it makes you in a spot of acknowledging your own vulnerability and that you have issues as well. And when you go through right. the process, um, you know, to, to give you, I guess, tip number two here is you need to break through whatever barriers they're putting up as well, because you know, Anytime someone's buying something, it doesn't matter what it is. There's an expectation of what they're going to get and what they're going to give. And what we need to find out is, are there any barriers? More so, what are they? Because there's almost always something. Um, What are they and what is this actually meaningful? And when we're doing a business-to-business sale, that can really easily get glossed over where they're just talking about, oh, the company is going to get this out of this. My company is going to do this for you. all cool. But if you want to be a successful long-term salesperson – you need to get to what is that actual purchasing agent's involvement in this. So, hey, I get that that you're representing a company here that's refining metal. If the metal I give you, if the ore I give you isn't awesome enough, what does that mean to you? And that then right. turns it personal because the reality is everyone in processing is going to hate me because I made their lives harder. We're probably not going to sell as much. My bonus is going to be smaller. And that that's what's going through your buyer's head. But if you actually can articulate that 
Correct. get it out of him, you're going to find out what's more important because maybe the quality isn't what's more important. Maybe it's the timeline. Maybe it's like, well, we're used to getting like the C level or I just need a lot of it. I need it now. And if we slow down production, I'm screwed. Well, either way, you're trying to find out if right. you guys are a good fit for each other. Because if you think you're going away with the high quality but slow sales process, you might get the sale today, but you're never getting a second one if it doesn't cancel itself later down the road. So getting to that truth is so essential and getting to what it actually means to the individual with you. So it's now a person to person sale, even though it is business to business, really does make the difference. And that's really how you open it up. So as far as the second thing, you know, if you want to have residual sales, that's yeah, that's the starting point, baby. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's connecting with people, right? That's building a relationship, not just trying to sell the company. I've been reading a lot about storytelling is selling. You know, you don't want to go in there and just tell them all about your product. People don't need to know about what how the engine works and you know how the pistons fire and horsepower versus the. They don't want to do that. They want to know what it's going to do for them and how, you know, visualize themselves driving down the road with the top open and enjoying their family Mm -hmm. at a picnic or whatever. And, you know, and, and those stories resonate with people, but a lot of that comes with, you know, look, there's some people you and I both know, I'm sure that are just very good at that stuff. I mean, it just comes natural to them to, to be open and honest and tell stories and it doesn't frighten them and they're very comfortable. A lot of people are not. So I think people need to learn, like you said, it's mm-hmm. okay to be vulnerable, right? As long as you're yeah. honest, not vulnerable and then lying to people. Yeah, so let's, see right let's dive into that part a little For bit because sure. you're 100% right. There, there's, there's vulnerability is scary, period. Um, so, right. Yeah. What you essentially, all of us have this gut feeling that says, like, I need to say something. But so often our lives, especially when we're younger, it's beat out of us. No, shut up and be quiet in the corner. We don't care what you think. And people carry that around with them their entire lives. And what we need to do is actually respond to that feeling we're having inside of us because normally it's correct. And to get that courage to bring it out is how you become effective in the process. Will you become more vulnerable? Yes. But you'll also realize that it's also the only pathway to truly better relationships and success. So it's necessary. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. Right. You know, let, let, like, you know, you're, you're, you're in a, essentially you're creating a dual relationship here, almost like a marriage. It might not be as long as a marriage, but it's similar to it. If the other side had something that was burning and deep importance to them and they were never willing to share it, what are the chances of this thing lasting forever? Right. Basically none. And yeah. that's really what you got to learn is saying, Hey, right. I got to get this out. And, um, you know, to, to think about it, most people have this, Something is anchoring them in the back of their mind from doing this. And normally it's an unhappy experience from when they were younger. And what I invite everyone to do is assuming the person that it happened with is still alive, try to reach out to them in an actual phone call because what you will find is two things. First off, the way the human brain works, both of your accounts of this story will be fairly different. Um, especially the further back in time it is always, but you'll also find that just having a conversation about it that is aimed with just being positive and just trying to figure out what really happened and how can we repair this relationship that that anchor that has been holding you back and dragging you backwards will get snapped and it will be almost like reliving in the world and your relationships across the board will skyrocket and improve 
And that level of water of your beings and your relationships will steadily rise. It's something that's incredibly powerful and it helps you get back to being a salesperson that will heal the world. Yeah. Well, a lot of this is therapy. Yeah. I mean, without without going to a therapist's office, I'm talking about just basically calling your mom or your cousin or whoever there's something wrong with and just making it better. I mean, a therapist going to tell you to do that anyway. Um, He might tell you the flowery language to use. Well, there's nothing to talk Mm -hmm. to. You need to get it out. That's what good salespeople Mm -hmm. do. They get people talking. You know, I always say good salespeople, it's like the last last person to talk loses the deal. You want you don't want to be the guy who's talking. You want to get the potential customer, the employee, the whoever you're dealing with to talk more than you're talking, which is a huge another trap that people fall into. They just vomit all over people. They're so nervous they don't stop. That's no, that's the anxiety talking. coming out. Um, but I but I do want to push back on something right. you said there because it's one of the things that are poisoning the well of salespeople of, of thinking you're gonna lose the deal. Um, and right when you're doing this correctly, and this is where a lot of business owners trip themselves up is that they're scared of their sales ability. So they lower their prices, um, because they think, they think no one will want to be with them at at their price level. Um, this, that's the opposite side of the same coin of what I'm going to try to say here. So I just wanted to correlate that in. It needs to be a win-win relationship. And for it to be a win-win relationship, you guys need to be bringing equal value to each other. You know, if you're cutting your prices, you are less valuable because you're receiving less than what you're giving. Likewise, if you're overcharging, right. that that's the way. So you need to recognize I'm helping you, you're helping me, or else we wouldn't be here. You know, that that's a fact of right. life. So it, it really is going to be a win-win whenever we build this thing up and do appropriate relationships, especially if you want it to last long term. Now, for those who can set their own pricing what will hitch up a lot of different business owners is when they look at the margin uh, of whatever they're selling. There's a big notion that a lot of people have out there that says, I know how much it costs me to make this donut. It costs me 26 cents. I'm not charging nine bucks for it. That's just too much. Like in their head, that's too much. But in reality, that's what the market says. If you have the highest quality, you need to charge the highest amount of your market. Or else no one's going to respect it. Because if not, it's perceived as low quality. Exactly. I think it's you, so quality. you're actually doing a disservice to yourself. And the people that want to have the high quality product are discounting you because you discounted yourself. Because you said you weren't good enough, even though you right. put your whole heart and soul to make this the best. That fear you need yeah. to overcome. Yeah. And we can yeah. do a whole show on pricing. And the psychological side of it, because I think people are, yeah, I'm even lawyers there. I have a lot of colleagues of mine that are afraid to raise their, their hourly rates or their, their, their flat fees. And, you know, look, we're all paying more every year for everything. So you got to raise your rates. If not, you're penalizing your family. And they're like, well, you know, I don't feel comfortable charging my clients that. Well, your clients are going to because you're cheap, not because you're good. There's a lot of lawyers out there, you know? So the question is, you know, it's a, it's a whole perception issue that you don't realize that your sales would actually go up in a lot of cases when you raise yes, your prices. Yes, and, and so up. with lawyers specifically, your client is going to basically dictate your life. If you get a horrible scumbag client, it's not going to be a fun experience dealing with them. You charge more, you get better t- clients, or in my case, it was tenants, and that's just the way that it was. Right. And so I know my yeah. phone just blew up here about people going through and looking at one of my properties right now, but that's a good thing. Does that mean just because I charge the most, no one wants to see it? No. We just literally heard earlier in the episode, nope. my phone exploding because someone was going through my houses to come see it. 
Well, right. And you probably get better tenants that are more responsible and care for mm-hmm. the property and can afford. And then they refer or they, then you get other people. You, you know, you go down one way or the other, up and down exactly. the spiral. And you got to be real careful. Yeah, because next thing you know, your whole system that you built that's like referring you customers is referring you repeat customers are the ones you didn't exactly. want to begin with. So, so even though it's harder to penetrate yeah. a new market sometimes, it's better to in the long run. Yeah. And this can be part of when we talked in the beginning of like, this business isn't exactly where I thought it was going to be. This is part of that dynamic. You know, it can sometimes take longer than we thought, right. or sometimes the, the quality of the, the client isn't what we want. And as someone who has fired a lot of clients yeah. in my life, um, it is a very important thing to do. To say, you know what, this, I yeah. thought we were a good fit when we first sat down, but we aren't anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is not working for me. Some, some, those are sometimes good days when you file a, fire a client mm-hmm. that's just driving yeah, you, you crazy. You, you find out the value no of yourself when you do grieved. that. You, you sit down and you're feeling good. Like, yeah. I just threw away six figures, but oh, do I feel so much better. Well, guess what? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good yeah. thing. That's a very good thing. Yeah. No, I look, I have that conversation with a lot of people. Like, what what is your own net worth? I mean, your own personal self-worth if you are willing to just because you're trying to make a living, take the abuse of somebody who doesn't appreciate you or your services, and ultimately what kind of damage is that doing to your entire life? Mm-hmm. Some of it you don't even realize. I mean, you know, a bad customer, a bad customer relationship, a bad client relationship can really pollute your, you know, your business, your personal life, all these things, because you carry that with you. And there's just, you, people don't even realize, well, if I, if I don't accommodate them, I'll lose the sale. Well, you may be losing a lot more than that by doing business with this person. Yeah, people have a very you know? bad ability of looking at the what if that's not in front of them. So what if I don't take right. this sale? Well, the reality is, is you're going to start looking for another sale and it's potentially going to be someone who's going to be a good fit for your company. Because everything you just said right. that it carries with us, that's the relationship puddle that I was trying to say. You get something that's negativing down, it doesn't matter how high the rest of your life is, it's, exactly. it's going to get sucked backwards. Everything exactly. And point. To, yeah. take, to voluntarily yeah. take that out, the better. Because the other part is, is that, you know, say you're rocking along with a bunch of solid nine clients and they're awesome, awesome. Then you put a two to try to go through the, the framework of your company. Everyone of all your companies going to know right. this isn't a bad fit and wondering why we're going through this. And there's a chance that you're going to lose some of the right. great parts of your business because of this one, this one employee, or they might you know stay there, but they basically shut themselves out and the, the positivity you're getting out of that employee yeah. is done. And those are the, the, the effects that people don't really see when we look at things. So, it can't, every decision cannot be made by dollars and cents. In fact, normally that should be pretty far in the back burner when you're building a good business culture internally and also a good ecosystem within yourself. Yeah. I think people don't realize that 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 makes the sales process easier when you're doing business with people that you know and like, and you relate to, it's not Mm -hmm. a daunting thing anymore. It's, it's selling to the people that don't want to buy from you that you think you ought to be in front of, that you're trying to, to get in front of, and you don't resonate with, that you hate. You hate what you're doing. You know, you, you, you had the wrong tenancy. The real estate business sucks. It's terrible. It doesn't have to be that way. And I think that that's, but that goes back to what you were saying about consciousness. 
uh, being conscious about what you're doing and who you're choosing to do business with and why you're doing business with them. And if they're a good fit for you and your company and your life. And I mean, there's plenty of people that I just say, listen, I just can't do that. It's not my expertise. And I can tell from them on the phone, you know, that they're just not, eh, you know, they've been through three attorneys. Now they're looking for a fourth. Yeah, yeah. It always raises a red flag. You know, and just get, look, I really, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm just not uh, yeah. the right. And fit. that's okay. I mean, th- th- there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, it, 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 it really, it helps you focus in. You know, one thing I try to teach everyone is you're not meant to be everything to everybody, but for those few, cho- few right. that you choose to become part of you, be everything for them. And, and you're busy. Everything yeah. about your life will skyrocket from that point. Um, you know, really, I mean, it, it's a very important thing to know. Yeah. Well, Joe, I know we're coming up on an hour, so I've taken a lot of your time and you probably have your phone blown up and people. Break I know, but we're phone. good. They're calm. They're, they're, um, they're, they're, actually, that, that one was, like I said, that we're, we're trying to get a new tenant in there. That, 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 that's a new revenue possibility. One less vacancy, the better, right? All right. Thank you. So how should people interact with you, learn from you, connect with you? We'll put it in the yeah. So there, there's lots of ways. Let people elite know. business conversations is the business. Um, you can obviously find us at our website, elite business okay. conversations, where we can set up a 10 minute chat and see if we're a good fit for each other. And again, what we do is we help people become better at sales. We help people fix their businesses that have stalled out. I do a whole lot of presenting um, to individuals or Christian to industries, to conventions, and as well as to universities. Um, I think some of my favorite thing to do is is to okay. go into into campuses and teach people who've never been into sales that are dealing with that stigma conversation we had before. You know, I I don't want to do this, but right for those people who can learn how to sell, you can take your life in any direction you want it to be. If you want to have a life of time, you can have that. If you want to have a life of economic wealth, you can have that. If you want to have a life of influence, you can have that. This all comes from the industry of sales. Right that is unique to the industry of sales. And I try to tell people that up front, and that's part of how salespeople are going to heal this world, and which is my fundamental belief in what right. makes me up and come to do this every day. Um, in terms of the other podcasts I have, um, uh, yes. the flagship is Elite Business Conversations. I also do Local Football Flavor, which is where we talk to NFL fans across the nation. Right. I do a specific Pittsburgh Steelers one, it. which is called the Pittsburgh Steelers Syndicate. And then our one that's all about relationships that I was the one that started me down this entire road in 2017 is called Father and Joe. And we strictly talk about relationships where that's an audio only podcast. The other ones are all on YouTube, but it's an audio only podcast where we are first analyzing the relationship that we have with ourselves, the relationships that we have with others. And then that's all underneath the umbrella of the relationship that we have with God. And those are the main ways you can find me. Like I said, Father and Joe is on all the audio ones, right where you're finding this podcast, you can find that as well. Uh, Local Football Flavor and the Pittsburgh Syndicate are both on YouTube. And then uh, Elite Business Conversations is everywhere. It's literally on your Roku TV right now. Yeah. I'm sure if I check back with you in a couple of years. I might. Back, um, so. I might. We'll see. And then also the book. The, the, the book is coming out the second half of this year. You'll be able to find it on our website, EliteBusinessConversations.com. What's it called? Elite Business Conversations? Okay, good. So do you have a mailing list? If somebody goes to your website, they can sign up and get notified. That is all in the works. So go ahead, click for it, and you will be getting them. I do not spam people on a regular basis. Um, It's not something I like doing. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. 
Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and Made to Order Music. For information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at the Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at BeinackerLaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.